But then once I like actually switched over from like software engineering to UX engineering at my day job, I think that's what really showed me that like, okay, there are like very tangible ways to, to take my artistic or my design inclinations and like put it into computer code. Um, so it was something I kind of fell into. I never really had like a set career plan. Um, and like when I get people asking me on TikTok, like, oh, like, how do you get this job? Or how did you like, how did you combine these two? I'm like, it's honestly just me messing up and then like <laughs> finding these things and trying to like combine things. And like, I, I mess up so much. My, I don't post it as much, but I'm trying to post it to be like completely transparent with my process and like how I figure things out. All right, everybody. AccuSoft is a software development company specializing in document processing, conversion, and automation solutions. From out-of-the-box and configurable applications to APIs and SDKs, AccuSoft helps developers solve their document workflow challenges while saving hours of development time. Learn more at www.accusoft.com. Welcome, everyone, to the Stack Overflow podcast. I am one of your hosts today. My name is Sierra Ford. I'm going to give my co-hosts a chance to introduce themselves as well. And I'm very excited for this episode because we have a really exciting, interesting, awesome, fantastic guest. And I'll get to her intro really soon, but I'll kick it off to my co-host first. I'm Cassidy Williams, and I'm head of developer. What is my title? I always mess it up. Just... (laughs) I'm Cassidy, and I like to make memes on the internet. I am Ben Popper. I'm the director of content here at Stack Overflow, and I'll pass the hat to my colleague, Matt. Hi, I'm Matt. I'm a technical advocate here at Stack Overflow. And just want to mention how excited we are today. I think Sierra and I were on a call yesterday, and I believe I fist pumped when she was like, guess who we're going to the podcast tomorrow. Since it seems like everyone here is super excited, I'm going to give you a chance to introduce yourself and give us like a brief, you know, elevator pitch of like, who you are, what you do. Hello, I'm super excited to be here today. Thank you for having me. Um, my name's Matanya, Matanya Tempesu. I am a UX engineer at YouTube. Um, I work on the art department there. So I, I really focus on building out YouTube's brand design and visual identity for across all of our products and marketing. Um, and But in my free time, I really... I classify myself as like an artist, designer, engineer, creative technologist. Like there's so many like different synonyms for it. So I think I'm like all over the place, but I think creative technologist is the best sort of the best umbrella for all of the terms. But um, so I do a lot of um, creating art with uh, creating art with code and just trying to find different ways to combine all my like fragmented hobbies into somehow combining it into a project that incorporates code um, just because I kind of like finding eccentric things and pulling pulling things together and tying knots and stuff. Um, So yeah, that's a little bit about me. Awesome. Okay. So I'm going to take it back a little bit. I want to hear what got you started coding. Like what was your first experience with software engineering, with computer coding and kind of what led you to where you are today? Yeah, for sure. Um, So actually my first exposure to computer science and like any form of coding was in college. Um, I had no idea what coding was until I took my first CS class um, my freshman year. I initially started off as like, uh, I think it was a systems engineering major, but then I nearly failed like my first physics class, like first semester of college. Mm. I was like, Didn't yeah, we I don't all. think, yeah, this is so hard. I can't do it. Um, so that quickly um, humbled me and showed me that maybe uh, hardware engineering wasn't or like actual like systems engineering wasn't for me. So I just sort of 
my university didn't have too many like STEM programs. Um, so I was just like looking through the list of like different things that were offered and computer science seemed to be interested to me. So I took my first course and I really enjoyed that like CS 101 class. And from there, I just like took the jump and took the risk and majored in it. Um, and I think it worked out. I think I'm, I think I'm happy with the result of how it turned out. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think so we yeah. can all agree with that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, in university, I, I majored, like I said, in computer designs, but I, computer science, but I um, minored in graphic design. And so I think that that's a little bit where my um, artistic inclination comes from. Um, and I think that's where I kind of wanted to combine the two. Um, but when I was in college, I actually never really combined the two. They all always lived like pretty separate. Um, I had like computer science or software engineering internships, and I had like purely graphic design internships, but nothing that really like combined the two. That was something that really I came into post-grad um so it was kind of an interesting interesting route yeah I feel like I'm in that spot now where like I have the two interests but I haven't figured out a good way to combine the two so I think Matt you're going to ask a question that might help me like get some advice on how to do that I feel like you are I can sense it well it's just this is something that I struggled with my whole life because I feel like as kids you're kind of you're kind of put into a box a little bit you're like mm -hmm. oh you're the science kid or you're the art kid and there was never really you know it, it kind of gave the assumption that you were good at one and therefore you couldn't be good at the other and I was always under the assumption that if I, I like programming like technical stuff I'd never be able to kind of do both at the same time so like I'm super curious from your perspective how you kind of like rationalized that in your head did you think that you know, moving forward with your career, I'm either going to be a computer scientist or an artist, or did you always want to try and find a way to blend those two together into what you're doing professionally? Yeah, um, I also really had that same struggle growing up. I was really involved in like um, musical theater and like different music things when I was a kid, but mm -hmm. I also really loved math. But I was like, okay, if I'm good at math and I should probably do a STEM field, like they make pretty good money. Um, so I think that was sort of why I got into the field of just, if I'm being completely honest, like I didn't have that sort of backstory that like most software engineers have, like I was coding since the age of 12 and blah, blah, blah. Um, I just like, oh, okay, this makes, this seems like aligned with like my interests of like problem solving and such. So I think that's why I went into it. But as for your actual question, um, yeah, I, I don't really know. Like, I think I, I pursued like engineering just because it seemed like a stable job option. And like, I liked the process of breaking down a problem and solving it like in little pieces. But I, at the same time, like I was doing these creative things on the side. Um, and so I didn't really have a plan if I'm being completely honest of like how I was going to mesh the two. It was just like, okay, well, I think it's good to have hobbies. I think I'll keep this as a hobby. <laughs> but then once I like actually switched over from like software engineering to UX engineering at my day job, I think that's what really showed me that like, okay, there are like very tangible ways to, to take my artistic or my design inclinations and like put it into computer code. Um, so it was something I kind of fell into. I never really had like a set career plan. Um, and like when I get people asking me on TikTok, like, oh, like, how do you get this job? Or how did you like, how did you combine these two? I'm like, it's honestly just me messing up and then like <laughs> finding these things and trying to like combine things. And like, I, I mess up so much. My, I don't post it as much, but I'm trying to post it to be like completely transparent with my process and like how yeah. I figure things out. But yeah, I, I kind of just stumbled into it. I think it was just me my, I naturally like having lots of different things that I like to do and like different hobbies. And so it, art was a hobby that it's now slowly becoming a, a career, which I'm super excited about. Yeah. You mentioned that you made the transition from being a software engineer 
to being a UX engineer and UX engineering has more of the artistic side of things. What has that transition been like? Um, So I think the transition for me was pretty smooth just because I did sort of have that design experience in college. Um, So I kind of knew like different design language things like typography, color, hierarchy, and all these sort of like design buzzwords that get thrown around. And so I think (laughs) that transition was pretty, pretty seamless for me. But I think the main um, difference between like my experience as a software engineer and my experience as a UX engineer is really like learning how to handle ambiguity and how to like think at a higher level because it might also have to do with like when I was a software engineer, I was pretty junior in the fields. I'm, I think I'm like two, three, I'm three years into my career now. So I'm still pretty junior, but like my first year and a half was like software engineering and now I'm the other half was UX. So I think when I was a software engineer, it was a lot of just like getting things handed to me and be like, okay, this is exactly how it needs to be done. It's very scoped out. Now just build it. Um, which can be like kind of nice at times to not have to like think There's too pros much. and cons of that. Yeah. 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 I, I still appreciate that type of work, but I think now as a UX engineer, I'm like being pulled in very early into the design process to the like the ideation phase of a feature where it's like we don't have any mocks, we don't have any like actual like visual designers in the room. We're just like thinking about what we can build to like make this better. And so kind of stepping away and like stepping away from the actual implementation into the the higher level thinking has been an adjustment that I'm still learning, but I'm, I'm really enjoying sort of that creative director role that I'm now stepping into. That's so cool. Did you have like a, a mentor or a peer who kind of took you in that direction, a specific project? Or was that, yeah, it sounds more like almost a process of self-discovery through a trial. Yeah, I think it was definitely self-discovery. Um, when I first started at Google, I was in a rotational program for a year. And so on my second rotation, I worked with a UX engineer. And so what he was doing was building a lot of like prototypes and different like early phase ideas and like actually like writing the code for it and like sending it to me and sending it to the rest of the software engineering team so we can like validate it. Um, and I really liked that process of just like what he was doing as opposed to like what I would have to do was just like implement the actual hard stuff <laughs> and like doing all the testing and all yeah. the middleware and like connecting all the dots, which is like still fun. Honestly. But like, I think I was a lot more excited by the idea of just like experimenting. I think that's a lot of way more fun to come up with ideas than make them work. <laughs> yeah, Execution is hard sometimes. For people who don't know, can you just describe a little bit of like what a rotational program looks like, for example? Yeah, um, I was in the Google Engineering Residency Program. It was a, a one-year program for, for college new grads. And so for the first, I think, two or three months of the program, when we first started at Google, it honestly felt a lot like college. Like we were taking these classes together in like a big cohort and we were doing like group projects and sort of learning how to be an engineer at Google and like how to make that transition. And it was honestly so helpful for my transition into like being a full-time engineer, just because like they don't teach you sort of how to function as a software engineer in college. They teach you like theory of how to do things and like- but not the actual like day-to-day life of an engineer. And so that's what the first two months were about of just like kind of getting those soft skills and like understanding the different technologies and tools that Google uses. And like Google has so many like proprietary tools that are like specific to Google. So it's not like something you can like prepare before you like join the workforce. So it was a lot of just like learning that. And then from there for the rest of the year, we did like two rotations on different teams. And so my first rotation was four months, but 
each rotation was about four months long. Um, my first rotation was on the YouTube main app web team, which is a long way to say front end for youtube.com on your computer. Um, so I was doing um, front end development for youtube.com. And then my second rotation, I was also on a front end team, but I was on Google Cloud Platform. So I was working on like the search bar there. I love when companies do rotational programs and you typically only see it at the really big ones mm. the, that can I didn't afford know to have engineers hop around. It's it's amazing. I, I did one at Microsoft way back in the oh. day. Oh my gosh, it's 10 years ago now. I'm so old. But Stop. like, I, it's it's wild. But but I've seen quite a few companies do it. And I remember uh, the I interned at Intuit in Silicon Valley way back in the day. And all of the new grads who ended up going on full-time also did a rotational. And it was kind of like what you just said, where you spend like four to six months on a particular team and you can try out different styles of roles and stuff. And I think it's such a smart thing to do because not yeah. only do you get to get help on certain teams and, and kind of get people who might be really eager and interested in what you're doing, but also if you find a really good fit on your rotation, then you're more likely to stay in that role. And you, you, it's such good training for you to understand systems really well too. It's, it's just so smart all around. I think more companies should do it. Yeah. I had never heard of it before today, really. It's fascinating. And it makes a lot of sense for a big company because if you do end up in a certain department or on a certain product, it's a lot harder to see everything else the way it might be at a startup where you're in a room with 30 people and you can kind of see what everybody's doing. Everybody has to pitch in on every project in some way. You know, you could be very focused down to working on a few pixels on a few sliders or whatever. And if that's not your thing, you don't want to be stuck there. So I'm interested in hearing then, where did your um, desire to like create content online for other people to view like come from? And how did that process look? I want to hear more about like the process of becoming an independent creator and how you chose TikTok as your platform and how you view using it as your platform in the future. I would honestly say I'm an accidental creator. Um, <laughs> the, the beginning of the pandemic in 2020, like I just downloaded TikTok like most people in March <laughs> um, just because I wanted a thing to do. <laughs> so when I initially started making content on TikTok, a lot of it was just like silly little TikToks and like jokes or nothing serious. Yeah. I was just like taking it, just posting what I, whatever I felt like. And I didn't really have like a rhyme and reason. Um, and then I like, I was telling a friend of mine, just like seeing the type of content that went viral on TikTok. And I was like, I think I could become TikTok famous if I really tried, but yeah. I was just, like joking around. <laughs> and so I, I was like, you know, what? like, let me try to take it a little bit more seriously. Um, and so I think I, I posted, I shifted away from posting just like the regular trash that I was posting. And I posted uh, a TikTok that like went over my experience being like an intern at NASA and just sort of, sort of showing different like videos and clips and stuff of that. And that went pretty viral. And I was like, oh, okay. Like, wow, this is like, people are actually interested in like the work that I do. Like maybe I can like kind of shift it to that. And so I think that's what sort of sparked me to, to share my work online a bit more um, and like share the process and like the creative design and the actual implementation of things. Um, so it was, like I said, it was very an accidental thing. Um, I, I want to try to make the shift to like maybe moving to YouTube. I think it makes sense. I work at YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to bring that up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> I, it's funny. I have to like come out as a, as a TikToker to my team at YouTube, uh, at YouTube <gasps> which I actually haven't done that yet. So we'll see how that turns out. I think some people already know about it. I've talked to yeah, some people about it. Yeah, that's pretty funny. <laughs> I mean, yeah. TikTok is canon at this point. I mean, I, you know, you can look at reels or YouTube shorts and like 50% of them are just reposted TikTok from TikTok. Absolutely. So it's okay. 
Yeah, TikTok is definitely like driving, I think, internet culture right now. Um, it's so it's it's fun to sort of see it all pan out and like see like oh, yeah. everything trickle down to other platforms, like you said. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Plus, I think I think the cool thing about um, TikTok because of all the social media platforms out there, it's probably the newest, if I can say that. I guess, um, and I think as of right now, the expectation for co- quality of content is still fairly low like sometimes i'll see tiktok where people are like in their bed in their pajamas just like talking right if you want to post a youtube video it has to be a little bit more polished because people like expect a certain like level of quality even with instagram like your instagram pictures people are going to expect them to be edited and like perfect and all that kind of stuff so that's one of the reasons why tiktok is so appealing to me is because it's like if you want to start creating content it's like pretty easy to do so you don't have to have like a fancy camera and editing skills right. and all that kind of yeah. stuff. It's really to do all that in app. It's easy to do all that in app. Does anybody here remember Vine? Anybody here make any Vine? Yes. yes? No. <laughs> Heck yeah. Really shame Twitter bought and killed that because that basically was TikTok. It was like, this is a place just to have fun. Yes. Do some dances, do some jokes, six seconds or less. That was um, so much fun. When I, Vine was so much fun. Um, I was working at DJI after I left The Verge. And that was the first um, like Chinese technology company that had become the global leader. They were like far and away number one for what they did, their category, consumer drones or whatever. And so I met some people at the office and they all had this app and they were like, this app is so big in China. And I was like, oh yeah, it looks like Vine. Um, and then like six months later, they renamed it to TikTok. And I was like, oh, I should be working there instead. But um, next time. Yeah, it was good. It was Musical.ly before. Yeah, it started as Musical.ly. I remember before TikTok got very before it rebranded actually when it was still musically I yeah I accidentally ran into a very famous musically person at the airport and I didn't realize that she was a big deal but like people were surrounding her and be and like asking for selfies and stuff and I was like who is this person yeah uh, I right. I've never seen them ever and and she she ended up just in front of me in line and I was just like so why are people taking pictures of you and she was just like oh well I'm really good at lip syncing and and I'm on this app wait wait <laughs> I didn't correct the history so Yin or I don't know how it's pronounced Pinyin was that China had like a TikTok and then they bought Musically and then the merger of those two things okay like, that's what it was there was like a Chinese version mm-hmm. called something and then there was Musically okay. And Musical.ly was amazing, but also so annoying because it was only lip syncing. It was yeah. just lip syncing. And it was syncing. like, you're so yeah. famous and you literally do nothing. You yeah. do. And that, and that was the know. thing. She she was saying like, yeah, I'm really good at lip syncing and I have 8 million followers. And I was like, well, well good for you. Uh, congratulations. You get them, sport. Like I, I didn't yeah. I didn't even know what to say. And so I just got on the plane. All but right. You're 12. You I know. It. But then like later when TikTok was a thing and, and I was starting to use it, it was just before the pandemic in 2019. I remember scrolling around and I saw her and I was like, oh, that's the girl <laughs> at the airport. And lo and behold, yeah, millions of followers and she was lip syncing. So there you go. Let me transition us from that. When you talk about UX, can you clarify what that involves? Because for me, sometimes that means a little bit of front end. Sometimes it means a little bit of web design, like in your mind, what you like to do, but also like your day to day, what does that involve? Yeah. So UX is mostly just like being a user experience specialist. So mm-hmm. UX engineers have the skill set of a front end engineer, but with the working knowledge of sort of UX design principles. Um, so 
less of like actually building out production um, features, although some UX engineers st still work on production facing teams. Um, but the R works essentially steers away from like that middleware layer between front end and back end and like the actual like implementation and testing and mostly focuses on like the design and UI component layer. Um, so a lot of like UXC work really focuses on building design systems for companies. So like defining a design language. So like the, like I said, like the, the color typography, um, the way like spacing works and such, and then building a component library for like front end engineers and just normal engineer, engineers to use in their day-to-day -day work. And then also maintaining a style guide. And so one of the main projects I work on is like maintaining our internal style guide for um, basically all of YouTube things. Um, so that focuses on like UX components and also just like how to how to use the logo in different contexts and like just different things like how to how to speak or how to use language properly when you're like writing copy for for a product or things like that. Um, so our site really covers a lot of different things. And so I think just by maintaining the site and building out new pages, I learned so much about that, which I, I really do love. And I think that's one of my favorite things about being a UX engineer is just the, the variability in your day to day. Um, like some, like some months I'm just completely coding. I'm not really doing anything but coding, but then like this past, like these past two months, for example, I probably sent out like maybe two or three PRs um, or pull requests. And I've just mostly been focusing on like, design and so like doing visual design or like being in these like sort of meetings that really focus on like I feature ideation and like those early phases like I mentioned before and so I think I really do love the flexibility that you have being a UX engineer you can kind of jump from different parts in the process um, depending on like what project you're on very cool I'm really curious as well so for those people who are already pure engineers or they're pure uh, graphic design what kind of advice would you give for those wanting to move into user experience? Are there are there any tips or any workflows? Because there's no degree for UX engineering at the moment. There is computer science for the minor yes. in design. <laughs> so what what kind of advice would you give those? Yeah, I, I think that's that's definitely a good way to 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 say it. there's no degree for it yet. It's a pretty niche role, which is why I sometimes get wary, like trying to when pe younger people ask me, like, how do I become a UX engineer? I'm like, this is a very like there's not too many job positions that have the UXC title to it, but if you're looking to make a, a switch, if you're already in one of those fields, I think it's a lot easier as opposed to really trying to focus on niching down very early on. Um, if you're a designer, I think the main things would just try to to, to learn the, the base coding concepts. So like what a variable is, what a for loop is, all these sort of like base things. And I think I might be biased just because I'm a web developer, but like HTML, CSS, and JavaScript go a very long way. Um, even if you're prototyping for uh, like an Android app. Those aren't real programming languages. Stop it, Ben. No. <laughs> we just had a whole episode on this. So I just had to say that. Yeah, you can't write a script with HTML. <laughs> Um, but it's still, it's still like building the, the structure. And like, I think it's a good introduction for designers to step into, um, just because I don't, you don't really need to know C++ yeah, let's if you're be real. a graphic designer. <laughs> As for an engineer um, moving into UXC, yeah. I think it might be a little bit simpler because you already have the tool set or the toolkit to like build prototypes and build all these things and build out the actual ideas. Um, so I would say if an engineer is looking to make the switch to UX, just really try to understand and like maybe even take a, a course or watch a couple of YouTube videos about like what makes good design. And so like really yeah. those core design fundamentals of like um, how, how different things on a page interact with each other. What 
is your eye drawn to when you first look at a page? Is that the correct thing that you want your eye to be drawn to when you first look at a page? And just sort of understanding mm. all these sort of like design language things. And then from there, um, just a lot of experimentation. I think that's my favorite word <laughs> to use, but a lot yeah. of just like playing around and trying to design your own apps, even if it's nothing that you actually like execute on, just sort of taking these core concepts that you're learning and trying to to build your own thing with it, even if it's just building out mocks. And if you're a software engineer, you can probably build out the actual execution of it. And so just trying to to learn by doing is, I think, the best advice that I can give. Yeah, that cool. learning by doing has literally carried me through my whole entire career thus far. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm a huge proponent of that idea. The question I want to um, ask you too is you have a really robust, interesting, fulfilling career, and you also create your own side projects, and you also are a content creator. How do you manage doing all of that? I want to start off by saying that my sleep schedule is in shambles, so I think <laughs> nice. the best person to, start to ask strong. for. Yeah, it's, it's hard. It's very hard, and it's something I'm still trying to learn to balance right now. I think I'm trying, I have to reprioritize some things. I think right now I'm, I'm taking on a bigger sort of like responsibility at work. And so I'm prioritizing mm. my day job just because that's what gets the bills paid. Um, yeah. And I think um, I, from there, I'm actually focusing on like my personal projects and I'm putting content creation at the bottom of the barrel, even though I do mm. love it. But um, I think I want to, I, I'm trying to focus on building out things that I think can help me make a a career shift in the future if I want to do that if because I think I'm I'm trying to I'm starting to realize that um even though I love software engineering I love the actual act of coding I, I I'm realizing that I maybe don't want to be doing like coding for a product tech for the rest of my life I think I I'm more interested in stepping into these different artistic spaces and bringing like a technical perspective to to that to those spaces yeah. whether it be like more art or like fashion or just different things like that and so I think that's where I'm trying to make that shift and that's how I'm prioritizing my personal projects um I think the main thing like that I do to balance my personal projects is I I try to be gracious with my attention span I think I have a very short attention span I get easily bored by things and so yes. I, I like this printer is an example this, my 3d printer is an example <laughs> Cassidy's saying, oh. Cassidy's saying. <laughs> I think that's a superpower in the same way. It's like, it's it yeah. just shows that you're interested in a lot of things. And sometimes you can find different points to connect by you being so distracted and having 20 million side projects at the same time. And so I think that's, it's been like my fatal flaw, but also like my my superpower in a, in a way of just like me constantly starting projects and leaving them um, in the corner of my room, collecting dust yeah. for literally a year. Like the the painting that I made into an instrument was something that was collecting dust in the corner of my room for a, a year. Um, and then I picked it back up and then I finished it. And then I, once I learned something new with like how to create synthesizers with code and then I connected those. And so I think that is a very good example of like being gracious with yourself when you get distracted by things. Um, and knowing that like, especially if it's a personal project, you don't necessarily always have a deadline. It's something that's I, I view it as like a way to learn as opposed to like, I need to get this done and I need to show it to the world. Um, I think I'm just trying to take it from a, a slower, more gradual iterative approach. It's actually really inspiring to hear you say that because I have so many projects that I've started over the past like year and a half that I haven't finished and I always feel bad about it. But now I'm just going to repeat what you just said and just listen to that on repeat, especially as soon as this episode comes out. So I don't feel bad about it anymore. <laughs> but 
Matanya, it was great getting to hear some of your experience. I'm looking forward to your future TikToks because now I'm a big fan and I'm sure most of our listeners will be too once they check you out there. Um, before we wrap up our episode officially, we're going to do some tech recs. So I'm going to pass it off to my co-host to see if you guys have any recommendations for any tech things that you've been enjoying lately. I got new headphones and I'm, I'm wearing them right now and they're pretty fun. They're Hi-Fi Man H E. R7DX headphones. That's and a long name. The Hi-Fi they're Man's nice. Yeah. Yeah. And so I I had Hi-Fi Man's before. I've I've I like this brand in general, but typically they do open back headphones where like it's not noise canceling at all. You can hear the room around you, which is nice like because I get scared easily and my husband will sneak up on me so I can hear him coming. But these <laughs> ones are closed back. And so I am much more afraid. But anyway, they're they're really comfy headphones and I like them particularly because I wear glasses and they don't squeeze my brain with the mm. glasses. And so yes. I recommend them. No feeling. Um, very cool. I want to shout out my car, which I have always liked, but I like even more now that gas costs $5 a gallon where I am. I drive a RAV4 plug-in and I get 42 miles nice. on the battery alone. So I have not filled up on gas in over a month. Very Just jealous. drive on the battery, but I can drive on gas nice. if I need to go really far. So shout out to the plug-in hybrids of the world. Ben, I've been wanting that car and can't find it anywhere. Oh yeah, oh, no, you can't find. It. Okay, so, th- so that is a, that is kind of a, a weak wreck because they're not in stock. <laughs> but, Dang it, Ben! Um, <laughs> if you get the chance, I recommend. I leased mine and I save nearly as much in money uh, on gas bills as I do pay for the lease. So it feels like it all comes out in the wash. Yeah, there wow. we go. Keeping on the theme of creative coding, there's an app called Spline. It's a web-based 3D tool, basically, and it's it's absolutely fantastic. They just launched their beta. Um, I've been following it for a wee while. You can do some really cool animations and rendering and all, all sorts of crazy stuff in it. And uh, I think the team there have done a really good job. So Spline is going to be my recommendation for today. Okay. My recommendation is kind of embarrassing compared to everyone else's. <laughs> but it's the most affordable. So I I recently got a clear phone case from Five and Below. <laughs> hey. And yeah. Normally, I hate phone cases from Five Below because they're just kind of like, they don't do anything for me. But not to go on a K-pop tangent, tangent, I, I should it say. it was going to be K-pop. It had to be. We were missing it in this episode. K-pop albums come with a photo card of like whoever one of the members of the, the group is. And I have a photo card for my favorite member of this one group who I'm absolutely in love with. And I have it in the back of my phone case. I'm not going to show it to the camera because it's kind of embarrassing. But that's why I love my <laughs> little clear phone case. So that's my tech reg for the day. I don't think I have. <laughs> I do have a, a request though as well, just because for anyone looking to get into creating what you do, which is like you're you're marrying code and art and doing these weird things with like analog mixes and like CRTVs and like all this crazy stuff. Do you have any like communities or uh, kind of like entry points into tinkering like that that you'd want to point anyone yeah, to? Yeah, um, I think p5.js and just the processing foundation as a whole is a great resource to get into um i've learned so much just from like the online tutorials that like the coding train makes um the coding train daniel schiffman is incredible he's He's the the best best educator honestly like i've never had a computer science tutorial be like make me laugh like it's it's just so it's so like joyful and like the way that he teaches is great and super accessible so i the processing foundation and just as a whole is a big fan, big fan. 
Awesome. Well, we'll put that in the tech recs. And we also had a, yeah, we had like an eight part series last year from the folks over at Codecademy about P5JS. I'll throw that in the show notes as well. We are going to shout out the winner of a lifeboat badge awarded 21 hours ago to Malik Hirani, new Google Places autocomplete and its pricing. If you want to know what it costs, we have the knowledge for you. All right, everybody, we are going to say goodbye. I am Ben Popper, the director of content here at Stack Overflow. You can always find me on Twitter at Ben Popper, although really I am off social media, but DM me there and it shows up in my email. You can always hit us up, podcast at Stack Overflow, if you have questions or suggestions. And if you like the show, leave us a rating and a review. really helps. My name is Sierra Ford. I'm a developer advocate at Apollo GraphQL. You can find me mainly on Twitter. My username there is Ciorio, that's C-E-E-O-R-E-O underscore. My name is Cassidy Williams. I'm head of developer experience and education at Remote. I almost said my job title from 2018. Oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> you can find me at Cassidy, C-A-S-S-I-D-O-O on most things. Hey everyone, my name is Matt Kinanda. I'm a technical advocate here at Stack Overflow. You can find me online in most of the places uh, at Matt Kanda, M-A-T-T-K-A-N-D-E-R. Hi, I'm Matanya Tempasu. I am a UX engineer at YouTube and you can find me on basically all social platforms at Matanya, M-U-H-T-A-N-Y-A.